symbol of excellence in sports entertainment. Turn it on and rip the knob off. Guys, and welcome back to the Wrestling Memory Grenade. Now at episode number 95, as we close out the month of September of 1987 and the World Wrestling Federation, going to look at the tail end of the TV here in September 87. And I am your host, Ray Russell. And before we get going, I just want to thank everyone who contacted me through social media over the last week or so, showing their concern, checking in on me and my family. And I'm not going to lie, guys. It's been a crazy past week, week and a half. And to be honest, the craziness, it's still there. And unfortunately, it's going to remain there for another several weeks until I can get everything situated. So just more stress and anxiety that I did not need in my life. But I'm attacking it like I do everything that's handed to me one day at a time. And eventually, hopefully, this too shall pass. But again, it's going to be several weeks, maybe even the majority of the summer before this portion of my stress is over, but I had to say thank you here publicly on the podcast for the love and concern shown by so many of the listeners, including sometimes co-host of the Regional Wrestling Podcast. Thank you to Jamie Ward, also to longtime loyal listener Brian from New York, if that is your real name. Sometimes just knowing that people are out there, that they care, you're reaching out. It removes some of the anxiety knowing I have your love and support. So thank you to all of the WrestleCopia listeners out there from the bottom of my heart. And now, with that said, since everyone has been so patient with me over the last week and a half, I'm going to try and run through the formalities before we get into the good stuff here this week as we finish up September and head towards the next installment of the WWF's Saturday Night's Main Event. And just a quick reminder, guys, you can listen to the Wrestling Memory Grenade in our sister shows, like Monday Warfare, The Battles Within. It's Raw vs. Nitro. We're going to break down the weekly episodic history of the Monday Night War there on Monday Warfare, and we're currently in the middle of the month of August in 1996 right now, coming out of Hogwild, leading into the SummerSlam pay-per-view, Boiler Room Brawl and all. You can also listen to the Regional Wrestling Podcast, where we talk the territories. Two projects right now on Regional Wrestling, One covering 1981 and Georgia Championship Wrestling with guest co-host Jamie Ward. And also covering Mid-South, well now the UWF, in 1986 with guest co-host Roman Gomez, all part of Regional Wrestling. And you can listen to all of those shows and more as part of the WrestleCopia Podcast Network, located over at WrestleCopia.com. That's WrestleCopia.com and anywhere your podcast streaming needs are met. From Apple to Spotify, Google and beyond. You can also follow me on social media. Follow me on Twitter, guys, at Wrestling Grenade. That's at R-A-S-S-L-I-N Grenade. Also, follow and like me at Facebook.com slash Wrestling Grenade. Follow me on social media for all the latest goings on here at the WrestleCopia Podcast Network. And I'm also constantly adding old school video clips and pictures from throughout wrestling history. In fact, just over the weekend, I was getting rid of uh, several old video clips 
from the 1989 NWA project, uploaded a ton of them to the Twitter account. Go check those out. A lot of people having some fun there watching some old skyscraper videos, the SST, Norman the Lunatic, the Steiner Brothers, Sting, Funk, Flair, Muda, Lex Luger. Lots of fun to be had there back in 1989 NWA and tons of those little video clips now back up on my social media, specifically Twitter. And speaking of videos, make sure you subscribe to my YouTube channel, guys. You can find me there at youtube.com slash grenade, uploading new footage all the time. Something like 500 videos now up right there on my YouTube channel and more to come soon. So stay tuned. And last but not least, now more than ever would be an extremely supportive time to become a WrestleCopia patron. You can find me there at patreon.com slash WrestleCopia. That address again, patreon.com slash WrestleCopia. Multiple tiers to choose from, but I only ask you guys to give it a try at that $5 all-access tier. Includes all sorts of gifts for just $5, including all of my insanely detailed book-like show notes. We're talking pages upon pages of show notes for every episode of The Grenade, Monday Warfare, and the Regional Wrestling Podcast. You'll also receive early access to many of the podcasts here at WrestleCopia. You can listen days and sometimes as much as a week earlier than the rest of the listeners. Plus, remastered versions of the earliest episodes of The Grenade covering the 1989 NWA project includes enhanced sound quality and new content and conversations originally edited out of the initial broadcast due to time restraints, edited right back into the show. But that's not all. You'll also get digital downloads for your viewing and reading pleasure In fact, just dropped another seven digital downloads to Patreon over the last week, all focusing on the year of 1980 in professional wrestling, just my way of showing my appreciation for the patience and understanding of my listeners and my patrons. But it doesn't end there, guys. You'll also receive my Patreon-exclusive watch-along series, covering many past WWF and WCW pay-per-views, Coliseum videos, Saturday night's main events, Clash of the Champions, and so much more, plus random bonus video drops, news clipping ads. You never know what I'm going to add there at Patreon as part of that all-access tier, and you get all of that for the low, low price of just $5. No subscription, cancel any time, show your support, give it a try for a month, and I think you'll like the content we offer, and every penny of it, guys, goes right back here into paying the bills at the WrestleCopia Podcast Network. So please, if you have a few bucks to spare, now more than ever would be a great time to get involved and show your support. If you're looking to support a new podcast brand that features quality content that not only informs, but also entertains, the annual audio software bill is coming up soon for me. So if you can, please consider joining my Patreon to help me pay some of the bills to keep the podcast network up and running for the months and the years to come. And now with all of that out of the way, we roll on back into the month of September here in 1987 to the WWF Superstars of Wrestling, September 19th. Here we are, September 19th edition of Superstars of Wrestling. 
Tape back August 26th, Fresno, California, Celland Arena. It's Vince McMahon, Jesse Ventura, Bruno Sammartino on commentary as we head to the ring to see Brutus the Barber Beefcake take on Ricky Ataki. And of course, Ataki built from Tokyo, Japan. Where else for someone from Asian descent? As we get an insert promo here from the Beefer, he says he's going to be doing some strutting and cutting, but he'll also be strutting all the way to the record store to purchase the brand new Piledriver album coming out this Monday. So mark your calendars, guys. The Piledriver album going to be released September the 21st. And then to the action is Brudeye with a backdrop, and he's looking for the sleeper, but Attacky runs into the sleeper hole like it's a clothesline, and he takes a bump instead. So here we go. Take number two, the sleeper hold applied this time, and the beefer going to get the win in just two minutes, 17 seconds. And of course, this match followed by some strutting, and unfortunately for Attacky, some cutting as well, and a big B spray painted on the chest of Ricky here to close out this segment. And Jesse Ventura on commentary with a fun line. He says he thinks that Brutus should be called the Butcher Brutus Beefcake. One day, Jesse, one day. As we roll on, Craig DeGeorge up on the special interview stage, going to have a word with Mr. Fuji and Demolition. So the demos in their very first platform interview in front of the fans. Could this be about the demolition demolishing and destroying all? Could it be about upcoming feuds they may have in the works? Maybe the demos looking for that tag team title shot. Nope, none of the above. Instead, Axe going to hard sell the Piledriver music album with the song Demolition, sang by Rick Derringer. Gotta show that merch, hey Vince? Got that right, pal. But if you think about it, guys, they used a spot on the album for this specific tag team, Demolition. So they clearly had some plans in the works moving forward. And I like the line here by Smash during this promo. He says, we're not just making records, we're setting records as well. And one day, Demolition, they will indeed set a record as they three-peat as the WWF Tag Team Champions at WrestleMania 6. But we roll back to the ring. Million Dollar Man Ted DiBiase with Virgil in his corner going to take on Special Delivery Jones. As we get a quick insert promo here, DiBiase hiding his face with a fistful of money. But he slowly lowers that money down to proclaim that everybody's got a price for the Million Dollar Man. Vince not buying it on commentary. As early in the matchup, DiBiase with some basics just to show off his training the best training that money can buy. But SD going to give it right back, dropping Ted with a pair of scoop slams and forcing DiBiase to bail to the outside. But once he regroups, back in the ring, DiBiase dodging a corner charge from SD, and Jones going to hit the post here. Ted then going to work over Jones on the mat, landing a power slam, and the falling back elbow drop off the middle rope going to secure the win here for the Million Dollar Man in 4 minutes and 21 seconds. So finisher this week. Well, it was no spinning toehold, at least. But this falling back elbow from the middle rope, Ted would make this move more famous as something he would miss, at least in his big matches, taking those fun bumps, those backflip bumps, if you will, sometimes even standing on his head as the show rolls on. It's Jake the Snake Roberts, now in the ring, going to take on Terry Gibbs as we see an insert promo from Dangerous Danny Davis. Davis says if the refs aren't going to do anything about that reptile, Damien at ringside, then Danny will do something about it himself. What could that mean, pal? Well, we won't have to wait long to find out. In the ring, though, Damien must have heard the comments made by Danny Davis because he's extra ornery this week, very active 
in that burlap sack as the camera keeps cutting to the bag, showing Damien moving around a lot more than usual. Now, as for the matchup here between Gibbs and Jake, it's competitive for a TV squash. Gibbs laying in some good shots here, but Jake Roberts coming back with the knee lift, short arm clothesline, and the DDT going to get the win. Four minutes and 14 seconds. And post-match, as promised, Danny Davis shows up ringside and tries to steal Damien. Trying to take matters into his own hands here is dangerous Danny. Davis snatching the snake back from the apron and takes off up the aisle with Damien, but he fails to get away. As Roberts chases him down, Danny drops the bag and runs off. And it's a good thing, too, because we won't see Jake for a while after this one. So I guess they'll have to save the animal napping angle for another feud. And then post-match, Terry Gibbs going to get a little Damien to end this segment. And we, we saw hints of a Jake Roberts-Danny Davis feud in the works weeks ago. And then in steps Mr. T, but Mr. T abruptly disappearing as quickly as he returned. So it looks like we're moving back to Jake and Danny Davis. Likely would have been something fun for the house shows, at least for the short term. And yes, I'd rather see Jake do more. But with his recent suspension that I touched on two weeks ago, on the September 87 news edition of The Grenade, we know Jake's going to be gone from mid-September all the way through the end of October. So this match here against Terry Gibbs, going to mark the end of the Snake Man on TV for the next couple months. So it's been a rough post-WrestleMania season for Jake the Snake Roberts, to say the least. And as for Danny Davis, I believe this is the final relevant thing that Danny does for the remainder of his wrestling career anyway, though he will have a spat with Sam Houston coming up. So from Mr. T to Jake Roberts to Jake's brother, Sam Houston. Needless to say, Danny's push is just about over. As we roll on to update, and Craig DeGeorge standing by this week, he's going to recap the debut of Bam Bam Bigelow, Bammer's announcing Oliver Humperdink as his new manager, and his debut win over Nikolai Volkov, and then we're going to follow that quick promo here this week from Oliver Humperdinck and the Bammer. You know, it doesn't matter to us if it's a big Russian Nikolai Volkov, or it doesn't matter if it's a one-man gang, they're all going to go down in time. And Bobby Heenan, any member of your family, any time, any place, brother. And I want everybody out there to remember one thing. When you play with fire... <clears throat> well, you might say the Slickster found that out firsthand. With Update, I'm Craig DeGeorge. And there they are, looking for Slicks men, Bobby Heenan's as well, not discriminating. Bam Bam Bigelow, going to be a force for sure here. And speaking of forces, we head back to the ring. Look at this one, the nearly 500-pound one-man gang. He has the Doctor of Style Slick in his corner, going to take on Jesse Cortez here as the gang attacks and lands the Gourd Buster. Going to get the very quick win in just 50 seconds. And then post-match, because we didn't have time during the matchup, it's an insert promo from Slick, putting over his brand new hit single, Jive Soul Bro. And I, for one, can't wait to hear it. As action continues on here on Superstars, the Islanders Haku and Tama got Bobby Heenan in their corner, going to take on the duo of Scott Casey and leaping Lanny Poffo. And Lanny going to piss off the Islanders here, something you never want to do. Poffo with a poem putting over Strike Force. As we get an insert promo here from Bobby the Brain Heenan, who is now on the cover of the latest edition of the WWF magazine. Heenan proclaiming that this new magazine cover, it's going to go in the Smithsonian. So says the brain. As the action gets going, the babyface is looking good early here, 
but Lanny Poffo eats a haku thrust chop while trying a sunset flip, and the Islanders going to wear Lanny down to the mat, haku even laying in that thrust kick, which drops the poem laureate. But Tama going to miss a pump splash out of the corner. Vader bomb, if you will, misses from Tama of the Islanders. And then Scott Casey finally tagged back into the action, but misses a dropkick. And the Islanders land stereo diving headbutts on the Cowboy. Going to get the win here for the Heenan family. Four minutes and 21 seconds. As the Islanders continue their domination on the tag team scene, we go off to a promo from Tommy Nast, who is apparently the producer of Power Cuts here in the music industry. Tommy Nast impressed by the Piledriver album. He says, there's some really mean cuts on there, guys. Nast says that Slick does some mean rapping and that the Piledriver album is heading to the top of the charts. Jesus Christ, forget the money spent on producing the album. How much money did the WWF spend on these guys to put the album over like this? Viable people from the music industry. Shows you what money can buy you there. And just how some hits became hits. And then back to the ring, more action. Going to see Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff, Oliver Humperdinck in his corner, taking on Barry Horowitz. As we get an insert promo from Rick Rude's abs, the camera focusing on the abs of ravishing Rick Rude here as he talks about Orndorff, referring to his body as the shape of things to come. And then in the ring, Paul just mauls Barry Horowitz here, relentless stomping him down to the mat, picking him up, dropping him throat first across the railing on the outside before then whipping him into the rail and then into the ring steps as well. Back inside, raking Horowitz's eyes across the ropes as Paul then going to come off the top rope with a standing elbow into the skull of Horowitz and then the clothesline going to set up the pile driver gets Mr. Wonderful the win here in three minutes and 16 seconds. And I said it on the last episode of the grenade, but Orndorff never loses that aggression. Works the same style as a babyface as he did as a heel. And Paul's going to need that aggression as he's slated to take on King Kong Bundy on the upcoming Saturday night's main event. And as we wrap up this edition of Superstars, we're going to hear closing comments from the Honky Tonk Man. Let's take you to words of wisdom standing by the Honky Tonk Man along with his manager, Jimmy Hart. Listen up and listen up good, macho man. I know you're going to be here next week, and I am too. And I'm going to give you ten good reasons why I'm the greatest intercontinental heavyweight champion of all time. So for Bruno Sammartino and Jesse Ventura, this is Vince McMahon saying so long till we'll see you next week right here at ringside. And there it is. There you have it. Next week, Honky Tonk Man promising that he'll be back to give us ten reasons why he is the greatest intercontinental champion of all time. That should be interesting. And a trivia note as we conclude this episode of Superstars. Scheduled for next week, it's announced that Jake the Snake Roberts is going to be in the ring as part of the new set of TV tapings that took place on September the 15th. But as we know, Jake will be suspended, so that won't be happening. As we roll on the following day, September the 20th, in WWF Wrestling Challenge. And 
Here it is, Wrestling Challenge, September the 20th, taped back August 25th, San Francisco, California, at the Cow Palace. With Bobby Heenan and Gorilla Monsoon on commentary, we head to the ring for the Killer Bees, going to take on the tag team of the Shadows here this week. As the Bees work over the legs of the Shadows for some time, until Brian Blair cut off during a spinning toehold spot, the Shadows then double-team Blair in the corner until Brunzel, with a little illegal help, finally allows Blair to backdrop Moondog Shadow and a hot tag out to jump in Jim Brunzel, who's in as a house of fire, landing the patented Brunzel dropkick on Shadow Rex, but Shadow Luis Rivera in to break up the count, Brunzel then knocking Rivera from the ring, and then Blair back inside with the bee sting, the old butt-butt. Gonna get the Killer Bees to win here, four minutes and nine seconds, and I thought this would make the perfect opportunity to do a spot where the bees use the masks to fight fire here against the shadows, but to no avail. As it seems as of late, they're trying to cut back on the bees using the masks, though we know we'll see them again in the future. And we roll on to update with Craig DeGeorge. going to talk about the recent battle for Bam Bam Bigelow. All of the managers that Bam Bam turned down, they have some comments directed at the Bammer. Humperdink also going to respond. Hello, everyone. For the past few weeks, there has been a lot of talk by fans and those here in the World Wrestling Federation about who is going to land the 400-pound sensation Bam Bam Bigelow. Well, to say the answer surprised everyone would be putting it mildly. The battle for Bam Bam didn't go to any of the veteran managers as promised by each and every one every week for a while. Now, the battle for Bam Bam went to Oliver Humperdinck, a newcomer who has barreled into the World Wrestling Federation by taking over Mr. Wonderful and now Bam Bam. Meanwhile, the rejected managers are not exactly getting the Bam Bam fan club package ready, but they do have other plans. Let me tell you, Bam Bam, if you don't want to be a champion like the Honky Tonk Man and you don't want to be a world champion like the Heart Foundation, don't worry, baby, you'll never be one. I'll see to that. We're going to give you a heart attack. Ha, ha, ha. Bam Bam, you better look in back because of your con, damnation, Sika, Kamala, one over you. You know, Bam Bam, it's very simple. You go with me or you go against me. You've made your first mistake going against the Heenan family. That's a big mistake. Bam! Bam! Brother! Son, you in trouble because nobody turns down the slickster. Oh, by the way, I personally asked Johnny V about Bam Bam, but he couldn't place the name. So, a successful start for Bam Bam, but it didn't come without its price. As you heard before, the rejected managers are out to get Bigelow for what they say was leading them on week by week, then slowly dumping them one by one. But this animosity does not appear to bother the WWF newest team. <laughs> it seems all the managers around the WWF are mighty upset right now, and they're upset at me and they're upset at this man right here. But I want everybody to remember, if when you said we're marked men, we're used to being marked men. It doesn't scare us. And I want you guys to remember one thing, and that's when you play with fire, you're going to get burned. So Bigelow chose Humperdinck, and all of the other managers here in the WWF aren't very happy. Noticeably, Johnny V not involved in this promo segment, but DeGeorge does manage to name drop him here. And a fair warning to the heels out there. You play with fire? You just may get burned. As we roll on here, it's a Strike Force promo. Going to talk about their upcoming song, Girls in Cars by Robbie Dupree 
as part of that Pile Driver album. And then back to the ring, Killer Khan, Mr. Fuji in his corner, taking on Daryl Nichols. As the fans clearly get the idea here that there's been issues between Killer Khan and Hulk Hogan as we get some Hulk chants early on in the matchup. But it's the Khan basics in this one. Thrust kick, green mist, the backbreaker, puts Nichols in position for the top rope knee drop. Going to get the Mongolian the win in 1 minute and 54 seconds as we're off to our very first Mean Gene promo this week. It's Mean Gene Oakland standing by with Jacques and Raymond, the Rougeau brothers. All right, so many things happening, especially on the tag team scene, on the tag team front here in the World Wrestling Federation. I want to bring in a couple of premier athletes that certainly are an asset to the World Wrestling Federation. They're from Montreal. Couldn't find a couple of finer men. Come on in, Raymond and Jacques. The Rougeaus on a roll along with Killer Bees, along with all of these great teams. The Islanders, Strike Force, Dino Bravo, Greg the Hammer, Valentine. I can go on and on. I could probably go on all day and all night because there's just so much talent here right now. Raymond, it's just tough to comprehend. Well, that's right, Mean Gene. First of all, I want to say hi. It's nice to see you again. It's always a pleasure to be interviewed by you. You know, Mean Gene, you're right about the competition here in the World Wrestling Federation. I think it's the best competition in the world. Like you mentioned, some of the teams, there are many others. You have Dino Bravo, Greg Valentine, the Hart Foundation, which are the tight team champions, the Islanders, Killer Bees. I mean, it goes on and on. But that's what, that's what the great thing is about. You know, when you're in professional wrestling, you love competition. You love a hard match. You love a challenge. Well, that... There is no lack of challenge here in the World Wrestling Federation, Mean Gene. You know, my brother and I, when we get into the ring, we go up against any team. We know it's always going to be a tough match because you don't have any losing teams here, Mean Gene. You know one thing, Jacques, that I think the Rougeau brothers have going for them? Number one, speed. Number two, stamina. you got to have it. Well, thank you, Mean Gene. You know, I received a letter not long ago, and I think I should bring the attention to everybody that we should make, honestly, a petition about all the tag teams that bring in managers. You know how much trouble a manager cost us in the past and will cost a team? Look at Jimmy Hart. Look at something. They've got so many managers now in the world. Johnny V. Johnny V. That's a distraction, a total distraction during the whole match, and it takes us three against two all the time, Mean Gene. All right, I appreciate the word. We should even the odds a little bit. From the Rougeaus, Raymond and Jacques. Thank you, gentlemen. Ah, so exciting, the Rougeaus babyface promos talking the tag team division, making a petition about removing managers from ringside. It's so cringeworthy that even Bobby Heenan takes shots at the characters on primetime from week to week. And these promos, they did not reflect the Jacques Rougeau we'll all come to know and love. Well, at least we'll all come to know. As we head back to the ring, the Rock, Don Morocco, taking on Tiger Chung Lee, though it appears he's still magnificent here on Wrestling Challenge. Morocco getting ridiculously jacked up and vascular as Bobby Heenan states that Morocco, he gets bigger every hour. Or every shot, anyway. Just saying. We get an insert promo here from Cowboy Bob Orton talking his feud with Don Morocco as the match gets going. Some jockeying for position to kick things off, but Tiger Chung Lee with some nasty martial arts chops, if you will. But Morocco coming back with an anvil-style power slam and the Tombstone pile driver gets over huge here with the fans, and Morocco scores the win. Two minutes, 47 seconds. And now we're back to Mean Gene Oakland yet again. This time, he's talking with the superstar, Billy Graham. You know, I talked with Don Morocco recently, and we both marveled on the miraculous recovery of superstar Billy Graham from Paradise Valley, Arizona. Come on in, a man that has 
done it all in professional wrestling, and I get the impression, Superstar, you're about to do it again. Well, you know, Mean Gene, it's this way. The Superstar was cut down, paralyzed from the waist down, brother, on the hospital table, in the wheelchair, in the iron lung. Never walk again, never run again, but the Superstar, Billy Graham, fought back. You did it. I did it, brother. I, I climbed the mountain in Arizona, and you were with me. Bobby Dean was with me, brother, climbing the mountain on the walker. Yes, I fell many times, but I got back up and crawled and crawled and crawled. I begged, borrowed, and stole the emotion to climb that mountain. I made it to the top. Now that I got up, back on top of my career, people are trying to cut me down. Let's, let's name names, Superstar. Can I, can I start? You do it, brother. Take the honor. How about man. what happened during that body pose down in front of a international television audience. I'm talking about the natural Butch Reed. Yeah, the man uh, in front of the worldwide global audience that we have struck me down from the blind side and said he was going to put me down once again, once and for all. And along with his manager, Oil Slick. Slick. Yeah, the slickster brother, the Oil Slick, struck with the cane in the esophagus on the hip, cut me down intentionally, premeditated. But I was the attack to rise again and superstar Billy Graham is back on top of his game you understand and I'm gonna prevail all right continue to climb that mountain superstar Billy Graham he is back at hundred percent right here Billy Graham talking the miraculous comeback he was on the iron lung baby but Graham is back and look out Butch Reed as is back to the ring for eight-man tag team action involving the Heenan family it's Hercules, King Harley Race, King Kong Bundy, and Ravishing Rick Rude with Bobby Heenan in their corner, taking on the foursome of Brady Boone, Dusty Wolf, Rudy Ryder, and Special Delivery Jones. And with Bobby at ringside, Johnny V going to join commentary while Rick Rude tells the funky-looking men in the crowd to shut their traps while he shows the ladies a real man. We even get an insert promo here from Andre the Giant, who says he's proud to be part of the Heenan family. And then to the action, Hercules going to counter Dusty Wolf's headlock with a backbreaker to kick things off. And then from there, Harley race him with his old finisher, the vertical suplex. Uh-uh, brother. Rick Rude then in with a power slam and a top rope fist drop on Rudy Ryder. And then from there, we get an oh shit pop from the fans as King Kong Bundy tagged into the matchup, going to land the avalanche. And then the big elbow drop, going to get the one- Two, three. No, make that five. A five count here for King Kong Bundy as the Heenan family pick up the win. Three minutes and 48 seconds. And Luscious Johnny this week on commentary was on the ball. A few funny one-liners during this one. And we've seen this a lot lately. Lots of these six-mans and eight-man tags with the Heenan family. Most of these guys not doing much individually like Hercules and Harley Race. So a good way to get them all on TV at the same time keeping them relevant, but the matches, they go so short, Rick Rude really doesn't deserve to be plugged into this since he just made his debut. It's really hindering him, if you ask me. They even managed to squeak Andre into this one, though, showing off the entire Heenan family, minus the Islanders. And speaking of the Heenan family, as they depart the ring, look up there, up on the stage, Craig DeGeorge standing by with Ken Patera. Mr. Craig DeGeorge former Olympian, Ken Patera. Hey, Batman, King Kong Bundy, pay attention here. 
attention, boys. You see what's on my arm? You're all responsible. You're trying to destroy me. Well, I'm going to tell you, you're not going to get the job done. I've faced adversity before. I've been down and up before. But I'll come back, and I'll tell you something, boys. I'm going to run the World Wrestling Federation. One by one, you're all going to go down. about you have just continued the pursuit and the diligence and i speak for a lot of people saying we all admire you for that pursuit i'll tell you i've been a winner all my life in amateur sports collegiate olympic games pan american games everything the toughest thing i've ever done is professional wrestling i've expected pitfalls and roadblocks but i'll tell you weasel you think you're gonna get rid of ken patera you're sadly mistaken you can get me down for a while but I'll guarantee you, think, guarantee you one thing, I'll always be back. Ken, this is uh, obviously the latest obstacle for you to overcome. That's right. The doctors repaired it. They surgically attached the tricep tendon. But I'm going to tell you something. Every time I hit one of the weasel family members, break their watermelon heads. You know what this is called? This cast is called the Weasel Whacker. That's right, Weasel Whacker. And remember, Weasel, you're going to get whacked, boy. And there it is, Kim Patera showing off his arm now in a cast, blaming the Heenan family for the injury, but promising revenge on all of them one at a time. And I don't know that he even gets through the first member in line. Either way, though, Kenny's showing off his new Weasel Whacker cast, planning to return once again to do battle with the Heenan family. And then it's back to the ring. More action this week. Macho Man Randy Savage with the lovely Miss Elizabeth taking on Omar Atlas. And remember, guys, this match originally taped as part of these wrestling challenge tapings, but Omar didn't realize that Savage was turning face, and thus Atlas worked the match as a babyface himself, and it had to be retaped here on Superstars, which explains the Stars banner in the background, for those wondering. But if this was Savage working face, you'd never know it. Macho Man raking the face, pulling the hair, stepping on the throat, even biting at the face of Omar Atlas before landing a gut wrench suplex and dropping him across the top rope. And then out to the floor, Savage off the top, double axe handle on the outside before bringing Atlas back in the ring for the flying elbow drop. Gotta get the Macho Man the win, 2 minutes and 52 seconds. And if that was Macho working babyface... I can't imagine how nasty a heel he could have been against the Hockey Talk Man. Dig it! And with everything going on between the Macho Man and the current IC champion Hockey Talk Man, now is a great time to head off to Craig DeGeorge with this special report. Hello, everyone. Who is the greatest intercontinental champion of all time? Well, if you ask the Hockey Talk Man or Jimmy Hart, it probably won't be hard to guess their answer. But if you ask other people, you probably get as many opinions as there are rhinestones on an Elvis outfit. Well, Hockey Talk has gone a step farther recently in his nonstop narcissistic spew of self-praise. And he's begun to point out ex-champions by particularly naming Randy Macho Man Savage. 
Some of you didn't hear what I said last week when I said I was the greatest intercontinental heavyweight champion of all time. Some of the former champions are a little bit upset, I understand. <laughs> Namely, macho man Randy Savage. Well, let me tell you this, macho man. You can't wrestle as good as I can, and you can't sing, and you sure can't dance like the honky-tonk man. <laughs> well, we played that comment to Savage's manager, the lovely Elizabeth, and here's what she had to say. Well, I really can't agree with what the honky-tonk man says. Plus, I don't even like his style. As you know, Elizabeth's style and manner of communication is a bit different than the macho man's. And when Savage heard about Honky's outlandish statements, he responded in typical macho form. We pick it up in the locker room area. Come on, Jimmy Hurt. Where's the honky-tonk man? Where's the honky-tonk man? Tell me something right now. There it is. We're reminded of the comments from Honky Tonk Man being made. He's the greatest intercontinental champion of all time, shunning names like the Macho Man. Elizabeth disagreeing there before we see Randy Savage off to the Honky Tonk Man's locker room to confront him, only to find and threaten manager Jimmy Hart, who promises a response of some sort. So things certainly heating up here between the two men. And it's going to be a fun ride as we head into the October edition of Saturday night's main event. And up next here on Challenge, it's the Grammy award-winning engineer, Ted Jensen, who also talks the Piledriver album. Before it's back to the ring, more action, natural Butch Reed, slick in his corner, taking on Jerry Allen this week. Reed dominating the action here as Bobby Heenan tries to explain what Jive Soul Bro means. As you can imagine... It's a load of fun as we get an insert promo also from the Doctor of Style. Slick also talking about Jive Soul, bro. He calls it a pick-me-up kind of song. I'll have to agree with that. In the ring, though, Allen gets dropped across the top rope, and then Butch Reed goes up top for a flying clothesline. Going to get the natural to win, 3 minutes and 45 seconds. As we're off to yet another promo here this week, Mean Gene Oakland standing by with Johnny V and his new dream team. All right, tremendous, tremendous action here in the World Wrestling Federation. Hulk Hogan, heavyweight champ, the Hearts, the tag team champions, the sensational Sherry, the new ladies champ. She's going to have title defenses like you won't believe. Intercontinental champ, the honky-tonk man. Johnny P, come on in. You've got your new dream team of Greg the Hammer Valentine right here from Seattle, Washington, from Montreal, Quebec, Canada. And, oh, what's this? It looks like a piece of linen from uh, one of the tablecloths out at the Imperial Palace in San Francisco. You know, in each and every town throughout the United States, they do have comedy acts, you know. They do have uh, room, I see them in the paper advertised in the entertainment section of a stand-up comedian. Maybe you could fit the bill there somewhere. You see, but I don't see something funny in that. I want to wear this thing around my gourd because I chose to wear this thing around my gourd. Why? I don't, why? Why not? Ha! Why not? Let me tell you something right now. This is the JV look, and this is the new dream team. This is Dino Bravo, and this is Greg the Hammer Valentine, and that's the way it is. I don't care what city we come to. I don't care what airport. I don't care what honky-dunky you see. This is it. 
And this is what you people are going to get. And this is the JV right here, man. And I'm very proud of these boys. And they're my boys. And they are going all the way to that top of that mountain. And we are going beyond that into the twilight zone if we have to. And this halfway right here is going to pay someday. You can rest assured of that. Yes. Why do you want to pry all the time? Yeah, why do you, you want to ask him? What's he wearing that rag on his head for? What's it to you? First of all, we just left San Francisco. Right. So that should answer a few questions. We had a night on the town. Right. In the city by the bay. Yeah, you don't yes. And you know something? Like he said, like Lester Johnny V just said. It doesn't matter what airport, it doesn't matter what city. It's all the same place, you understand? It's all the same place, but I'll tell you what. We all may go to hell in a bucket. But at least we're going to enjoy the ride. We're going to enjoy the ride! <laughs> we're going to be champions. Right. Yes, I'm used to being a champion. I'm used to having that big fat wallet. I'm used to laying those bells around. I'm and used to light the cigar with a $50 bill. Oh, yes, I'm going to be a champion again. And I'm proving that right now with this man standing right here. Dino Bravo, a Canadian powerhouse. I've seen this man bitch press 550 pounds like it was nothing. And I'm going to watch him break one of the Rougeau's necks, and then we're out after the hearts. Whoever had to have the belt, like we're going to get us. Spend that big money, why don't you pick up a lunch tab now and then? Dino you Bravo. know, that's exactly right. It's working like a clock. The three team is going like a big force. It's only a question of time, you know, but high patience is running out. Because the Heart Foundation, you are the champions. You've got those belts. We want a match. All we need is one match. And I guarantee you, the Dream Team is going to walk out the new World Tag Team Champion. One thing Nothing I is going to stop tell it. you, there are no guarantees here in the World Wrestling Federation. Gentlemen, I thank you. And there it is. Valiant still playing up the haircuts from the barber as the duo of Dino Bravo and Greg Valentine talk Tag Team Champions Heart Foundation. And as we know, based on results we looked at already here for the month of September, the Dream Team had multiple title shots throughout this month. So. They get their title shots and they talk about them here on Wrestling Challenge. But we move on to WWE Primetime Wrestling, Thursday Night Edition, September 24th. Remember, Bobby Heenan forced USA Network to move primetime wrestling from Mondays to Thursdays, at least for now. And of course, hosted as always here by Gorilla Monsoon, Bobby the Brain Heenan. And thank God the gorilla hair is back. Remember, we talked about this last time. Gorilla got a haircut and it exposed a little more bald, maybe more than he wanted on TV. So Gorilla had it kind of sprayed in with some fake hair and it just did not look good. So I'm glad to see Gorilla back to his uh, all natural self. As we get going, it's an intro this week as we're treated to a surprise guest in Mean Gene Okerlund. I'm Gorilla Monsoon. And I'm your host, Bobby the Brain Heenan. Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to Primetime Wrestling, where we feature the superstars of the World Wrestling Federation. In fact, the greatest professional athletes in the world today. Yes. Oh, Mean Gene. I've done it again. Unbelievable. What an unexpected surprise. Welcome. Gorilla, Thank I can't you. tell you. You know, I got a call from Art Modell. 
uh -huh. Cleveland Browns. They want me to play quarterback or wide receiver. Uh, either way, well, fine. Yeah. I would play for Minnesota, hey. but I don't know who owns the franchise. Hey, what do you uh, just today. walk out here when you feel like it? Boy, it you certainly know. is an unexpected pleasure to have you here. Well, hey, somebody get with your schedule. Right I know right what your schedule yeah. is. Yeah, I'll tell you here. what, I'd love to have you uh, join me if you could one of these days on All American oh, Wrestling. Oh, it'd be a pleasure. She would say hello to me or anything, the host. My pleasure, absolutely. Good to see you. Good to see you. kids? Oh, great. Just drop by anytime. You're always welcome. connection? You're always welcome. I got to have the football. Go ahead. I'll give it to you. Well, let me Will give you, you a, yeah, go ahead. I'll give you a shot right, as you uh, go good, by. Good seeing you again, Good gorilla. seeing you, Gene. See you, Weasel. Gene's going right out here right in here. the flat. Oh, he's got it. Unbelievable. What's your problem? Oh, nothing. Oh, why would I have a problem on my show? Some guy comes out here, couldn't catch a cold, let alone a football. Talks to you, doesn't even extend me a handshake. Everything he's done to me, then leaves and you calls mean me after All the bad mouthing you've been doing about him, you expected hey, gorilla, to. Cat. Yo, got it. Coming. Hey. Got it, Brain. Right on the telephone. See if you check okay. your phone out, make sure it works. What a lineup we have for you here this week on Primetime Wrestling. Our feature bout, of you course. broke my phone. George the Animal Steel taking on your man who gets no respect, referring to the king. So the rest of this two hours is going to be like. I don't know. Anything could happen here on Prime. This is Thursday, don't forget. I know what day it is. Sure. Hate you a, this day. You had a bad week, didn't you? You got a worse weekend coming up. Is it this working? Ah, it's smashed. You're in deep trouble. Is that, you going to any more surprises? Well, another, you, you never know what's going to happen. Right now, we're going to start off with our here? opening match. So, Mean Gene stopping by the primetime studio, playing a little catch with a football here, says he got a call from Art Modell, the former owner of the Cleveland Browns. He wants Gene to come in and play quarterback or maybe even wide receiver. Now, the Browns are doing just fine here in 87, Gene with Bernie Kozar, but Gene with a great line here. He said, well, I would have played for Minnesota, but I don't know who the owner of that franchise is. I wrote LMAO, a uh, good line there by me, Gene. Some good comedy to begin the show. After they ignore the brain, Gene and Gorilla going back and forth, they play a little catch with the football. Gorilla, quote-unquote, accidentally misses the ball, and it lands right on Bobby Heenan's phone, breaking the brain's phone. Poor Bobby. All right, I thank you, Bobby Heenan, Gorilla Monsoon. We'll continue with more primetime wrestling here in just a moment. Oh, by the way, Gorilla, I had an opportunity to inspect that palatial estate of Bobby Heenan's out in Beverly Hills, California. What a shack. Got a few bucks tied up in that. Tito Santana, Rick Martel, come on in. Welcome to primetime wrestling. Gentlemen, strike forces together. Rick, you've got to explain. I know a lot of people saw it, but you've got to explain how it all happened. You know, we always say sometimes that everything happens for the best, and I believe it more than ever, you know, because I was in a very bad situation in the past, you know, when I was left alone against the Islanders by myself. You know, my friend Tito not only came to my rescue, but accepted to be my partner, you know, and together we formed the strike force, and it feels great, you know, and yes, that was the best thing ever happened to me. All right, uh, I recall in front of a national television audience, Rick Martell, I believe you just put your hand out and all of a sudden... Just like this, baby. There it was, Tito Santana. That's now right, we've got baby. the strike force. That's exactly how it happened, Mean Gene. You know, he didn't really have to beg me. I was itching to be asked because I saw what was taking place, Mean Gene. I couldn't take it any longer. The Islanders, you had me up to here, my man, trying to get rid of my man Rick Martell. You know, when you, you, you make a team, you set goals, Mean Gene. Ultimately, we will be the world champions, the world tag team champions, because that's our goal and that's what we're working for. But first, there's a team that's got to pay some dues, Mean Gene. The Islanders, you have done all the damage that needs to be done. Now it's payback time. And this is going to be fun. 
Yes, sir. Is it going to be fun taking care of, of those Islanders and hopefully maybe help them pack their bags and send them back to wherever, where are they from? They're from the South Pacific. That's neither here nor there. They're managed by Bobby the Brain Heenan. I know that for a fact. Get ready. Islanders, these two men are charging. Ultimately, Strike Force wants to become the World Tag Team Champions. As primetime rolls on, coming out of a Strike Force promo, Gorilla Monsoon going to run down the Islanders as Bobby Heenan talks Tito Santana. What you say about it, Brain? I, I know that the Strike Force is holding you directly responsible. You're the brains behind the Islanders. Those two guys were lost in a phone booth the other night. W without you to direct them and tell them which way to go and who to attack, they'd be in a lot of trouble. And you haven't heard the last from Tito Santana and Rick Martel. <laughs> I haven't by heard long. anything from him. I can't understand the guy. He can't even laugh in English. Amigo. And Bobby, with quite the line there, says, Tito Santana, you can't understand anything he says. He can't even laugh in English, amigo. Great line there from Bobby Heenan, if you're into that sort of comedy. As we roll on, though, from there, coming out of the Heenan family eight-man tag that we just saw from Wrestling Challenge, it's the hosting duo talking Ken Patera. Weasel whacker indeed. Not only a weasel whacker, a Bundy whacker, a race whacker, a rude whacker. You guys are going to get whacked all over the place. <clears throat> oh, he thinks he's funny. He thinks he's really funny. Well, I'm not the he's one serious. in the cast. He's serious. Oh, of funny. course he is. But I'm not the one in the cast. Patera's the one wearing the cast. Matter of fact, he, that may come in handy. He can use it to rub it up and down along the bars when he wants something. What bars? <laughs> he's already paid his debt. To, so give me a break. He'll be back. You in. know, there wasn't much competition for that uh, eight-man tag team match. I would have liked to have seen on the other side perhaps Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff, Kenny Patera, uh, Billy Jack. And bam, bam, that would not, that would make some competition for that foursome that you put on. I had, I had offered that match Highly to the promotion. Unlikely. And you could, they wouldn't sign. Nope, they said, we're not getting in with the Hina family. This is separating those guys. The guy get killed. We'll be back in just a moment. And Gorilla talking Patera's Weasel Whacker. Weasel Whacker indeed. Bobby Heenan says he can use that cast to rub it against the bars when he wants something, referring to prison. But Gorilla says he paid his debt, Brain. And he'll be back. Gorilla also talks real competition, taking on the Heenan family rather than what we saw here in this eight-man tag. But Bobby says the superstars, they just won't sign to take on his Heenan family. As primetime continues, we go back in time to the push-up segment. Remember the one we talked about on the last grenade, Ted DiBiase offering a kid, I think it was $300 to do 10 push-ups. Well, the kid gets to nine, but he can't quite make 10. And he didn't get the 10. So he didn't get the money because doing your best just isn't good enough for the million dollar man. We're coming out of that segment. Now we're going to hear gorilla and Bobby's take on the entire thing. That was disgusting. It's the worst thing I've ever seen. Family needs the money like that. And that kid can't gut out one extra push up. How do you know the family needs the money? Well, you could tell the kid only had half a pair of pants on the kid. The kid did every push up He could possibly, I'd like to see DiBiase get down there and do 10 push ups. For a kid? Can For it? anybody. Boy, a family are probably sitting home on rented furniture. Springs are sticking out. The arms are worn. And all they asked Junior here to do was do 10 push -ups. For a fact, you don't know that. Maybe the youngster wanted to make some extra money. What's wrong with that? What would he buy with it? What well, a nine-year-old kid would do with 300 bucks? Buy with an eight-year-old girl? Yeah, obviously, you haven't gone out and uh, bought anything lately. Oh, I buy a lot of things. Deep pockets. We'll be back in just a moment. Right here, couldn't one out. Disgusting, says Gorilla Monsoon. 
Bobby Heenan says, poor kid, couldn't muster it up to do one extra push-up. The family needed that money. Great stuff here from Bobby Heenan, as always. We roll on, coming out of a win here for the Duke of Dorchester, Pete Doherty, picking up a win over leaping Lanny Poffo in the Boston Garden. They refer to it as Doherty's final match, his retirement match. Now, that's simply not the case, but we're going to listen to Gorilla and Bobby with some banter about the Duke, as well as talking a little bit more about the garb of the King Harley Race. Well, if in fact that was the final match for the Duke, Doherty, in his professional career, he certainly went out in a blaze of glory, uh, getting a victory over Leaping Lanny Poffo. Actually, Lanny Poffo beat himself, really. Well, see, for when he slammed the Duke off the top rope, he didn't go in to cover him. He walked around. Then when he did the move off the top rope and he got his ribs hurt, he just wasn't using his head. you got to use your brains. got to use your brains. Like the king does. King's always thinking. Regardless of what you say about the crown being too tight, he's always Well, it's, it's not only the crown being too tight. I know for a fact that that piece of garbage that he wears and calls a royal robe was stolen from the uh, prop department in the Beacon Theater. It was not. Well, Never I, was in the Beacon Theater. Well, I, I, I beg to differ you. There's a little label right inside there. I saw it one time when I was doing an interview with him. Why are you going through people's private belongings looking oh, at labels? That's not private. That's community property. Is it not? We'll be back in just a moment a with our feature. Labels. Gorilla continues to have fun with the uh, the crown and the cape of one King Harley race as we're off to the ring for a primetime exclusive taped in Rockford, Illinois at the Metro Center. September the 16th, George the Animal Steel picking up a win over the King Harley race on a disqualification after interference from Hercules only four minutes into the matchup. Now post-match with a two-on-one, it's race and Hercules beating down the animal. It's Scott Casey leaping Lanny Poffo and the Young Stallions out to make the save. But King Kong Bundy joins in, and the Heenan family, even though they don't outnumber the babyfaces, they easily dispose of all of them, leading to Bam Bam Bigelow finally entering the ring and aiding to clear the squared circle of the Heenan family. And then we come back to primetime here as Monsoon and Heenan going to talk the fallout of this race and steel matchup, Heenan providing reasons for everything that just transpired. Why did you send I'll all be, those tell guys you exactly. in the ring? Harry Ray should not have been disqualified the king. George Animal Steel went out and brought in a steel chair. So when he had Harley trapped in the corner with that steel chair, the king, the man that he is, didn't run. He just backed up into the corner. He could have left that ring. But he was hoping the referee do something. The referee was out of control. So what did I do? I had to send Hercules in there. It was and justified. Bundy? Bundy I sent in after the other goons were already jumping in from behind. Casey, Poffo, the young stallions. Everything I did was justified. I will not answer for this one. I understand that the king was rather upset at the end. Yes, he was. He was very upset. Went home with the short end of the money. You know, think that, after, my you, after you take your 65% uh, of the loser's share. How did you know I took 65 I mean, how, it's what common knowledge. I it's common knowledge now that you uh, really rake no. these guys over You've the You've been clothes. talking to Orndorff. He's a liar. So Bobby Heenan defending his Heenan family, and it makes a lot of sense here. He says George Steele was the one that brought the chair into the ring, not the King Harley race that caused the disqualification. Race was simply protecting himself, and, and Harley, being the man that he is, he didn't want to run away, so Bobby, he sent Hercules out there to aid the king. And then all those goons jumped in, so Bundy was sent out as well. Like the cowboy Bill Watts, Bobby Heenan here, the great explainer, it was all justified, says Bobby Heenan. And then, of course, they talk money here. 
Gorilla speculating how much money Bobby Heenan steals from his men. Bobby replying, how'd you know I took 65%? I mean, why do you think I took 65? Oh, that brain. And of course, a reminder, guys, the Piledriver album is out now. God, I miss record stores. Also here this week on Primetime, they did, they did some other fun bits. Bobby Heenan replacing the Piledriver album on the desk with his WWF magazine cover to promote himself. Bobby on a roll this week with one-liners and little mannerisms as well. It's like a rejuvenation process for Bobby Heenan here in September of 87. Not that primetime is ever bad, but Bobby, he hasn't been the same, hasn't had the same zest week to week and segment to segment since WrestleMania three time. And it's starting to return to true form this week as business is picking up again here in the World Wrestling Federation. And it gets even better next week. So stay tuned. Also, before we conclude this edition of primetime, another primetime exclusive from September the 16th, Rockford, Illinois. It was the Rock Don Morocco battling outlaw Ron Bass to a double disqualification in nine minutes and 23 seconds after the referee was knocked down to the mat. Now, I read the results after I watched this primetime. I guess I wasn't paying close enough attention. It's stated here online anyway that the referee for this match was Dick Worley. If that's so, I'm not going back to check, but if that's a fact, I got a pop for that as well. Dick Worley here in the latter half of 87 in the World Wrestling Federation. As we roll on to the final week of September here in 1987, more superstars action, September the 26th. Now tape back September 15th, Peoria, Illinois at the Civic Center. Vince McMahon, Jesse Ventura, Bruno San Martino once again on commentary as we're off to the ring for Bam Bam Bigelow. Oliver Humperdinck in his corner taking on Barry Horowitz. And right away, we get an insert promo from Nikolai Volkov, who seems to speak in Russian. So I have no idea what he says there. But Bam Bam Bigelow in the ring chasing Barry Horowitz around ringside as Barry tries to escape to no avail, thus showing off Bigelow's speed for a man his size. And then back inside the ring, a huge Beal sends Horowitz all the way across the ring. And then Bigelow slams Barry in place for the bombs away. A slingshot splash from the apron back inside, getting Bammer the win. Two minutes and 39 seconds. Impressive win here for Bam Bam Bigelow. And he promised it last week. The Honky Tonk Man is indeed back, standing by up on the platform. A special interview with Craig DeGeorge. He's got with him the Colonel Jimmy Hart and the Intercontinental Champion, the Honky Tonk Man. And as we head into the promo, remember Honky promised to deliver us 10 reasons this week why he's the greatest Intercontinental Champion of all time. So away we go. And keep in mind, Honky barely makes it to reason number three here before he's interrupted by the macho man, Randy Savage. Let's listen. Ladies and gentlemen, let me introduce you to my guest, manager of Mouth of the South, Jimmy Hart, and the reigning Intercontinental Champion, the Honky Tonk Man. so that you can deliver on a promise, Honky Dog Man. Last week, you said that you would give us 10 reasons. 10 good reasons, man. All right, 10 good reasons why you are the greatest intercontinental champ and much better than Randy Macho Man Savage ever was. Are you here to deliver? Reason number one, not that it really matters, but I've become a big singing star now. I'm even a better singer than Elvis Presley was. I've got the number one hit song on a new wrestling album, Piledriver, called Honky Tonk Man, and it's done by me. 
<laughs> Reason number two, I have the best manager in the whole wide world. I've got a man for a manager. I've got the mouth of the South, Jimmy Hart, the greatest manager of all time. And reason number three, not I want to tell you something right now. You're looking at the greatest intercontinental heavyweight champion of all time, yeah. And listen, Big Mouth. People with Big Mouths get themselves in big trouble. You want to wake up with a macho madness hangover? You keep doing the thing, and you'll find out why, yeah. Well, I've just been waiting on the day that I can wrestle you, macho man, because I don't think you're the greatest of all time. Unbelievable. I don't even think you said what you said. But that's the thing right there. A challenge to the Macho Man Randy Savage. A lot of people right here, Honky Tonk Man. So why don't we do the thing? And why don't we do the thing? Why don't we do the thing right now in that ring? I'd, I'd love to get in the ring with him right now, but... I'm, I'm not dressed for it. I'm not dressed for this one. Well, a challenge position. We will see what will happen. Honky Tonk Man not dressed for the match. And there it is. Honky says reason number one, that he's the greatest IC champ ever. He's a big singing star, even better than Elvis Presley. He's got a number one hit song on the Piledriver album, aptly named after himself, the Honky Tonk Man. Reason number two, he has the greatest manager of all time. Hockey pointing out that he does have a man for a manager, not some woman. Well, that probably did it right there. As Honky gets to reason number three, well, we'll never know, because the Macho Man is out cutting Hockey Tonk Man off, leading to an exchange of words there, both men feeling they're the greatest at what they do, and Savage wanting to do the thing, do the thing in the ring, aha! Macho Man off to the ring, heads out to the ringside, but Honky Tonk says, He's not dressed for action, and he quickly makes a run. Exit, stage left even, Honky Tonk Man heads back to the locker room, running away from the Macho Man Randy Savage. But the Macho Man, he won't have to wait much longer. Saturday night's main event right around the corner with a major angle upcoming there. And as we come back from a commercial break, we get our very first promo for the Survivor Series. Thanksgiving night. Witness the Survivor Series. Quick and to the point, well, that should begin causing some speculation among the fans. What is the Survivor Series? As all we see is a logo there. I can't wait to find out. As it's back to the ring tag team action, Paul Roma and Jimmy Powers taking on the Shadows. And yes, in the ring, it's Shadow Rex and Shadow Luis Rivera and their opponents. What's that? Crank it up. The new song on the Piledriver album, as sung by Jimmy Hart, making their way to the ring, apparently now with theme music, oddly sang by Jimmy Hart, yes, but we'll get to that later. It's Jimmy Powers and Paul Roma, now referred to as the Young Stallions. So the Stallions finally get a team name 
a real ring intro, and theme music all at the same time. A fresh new intro here for Powers and Roma, and let's see if it helps them in the ring. As Jesse Ventura on commentary pissed off that these two punks, the Young Stallions, stole Jimmy Hart's song. There's copyright laws, McMahon. You'd know all about those, eh, Jess? And as the action gets going and these young stallions working fast and looking good, Roma with a flying head scissors here powers with a monkey flip, but rolls through with it into a fun pinfall attempt. Jimmy Powers finally finding himself in the heel corner and the masked duo going to take over on the offense. And they literally redo the exact same spot that the shadows just did with the bees where jumping Jim Brunzel helped Brian Blair escape an over-the-shoulder backbreaker by Rex. This time, Roma helps Powers escape. So the same exact spot two weeks in a row here by the Shadows. Do better, guys. Anywho, Powers able to escape and lands a backdrop in an enziguri. And Powers going to make that hot tag out to partner Paul Roma. But no, the referee, he misses the tag in a squash match. But that's okay. Jimmy Powers going to duck a double clothesline by the Shadows and nail one of his own, taking down both of the masked men. And now it's time. Hot tag to Paul Roma, who is on fire with some high elevation drop kicks. And then it's tag time back to Jimmy Powers. Roma shooting Jose Luis Rivera into the ropes for a Powers slam. See what I did there? Jimmy Powers, Powers slam. Great spot. Going to give the Young Stallions the win. Four minutes and eight seconds. So crank it up. Pretty fluid match. Not that I'm shocked. These two teams have wrestled like a hundred times on the house shows. We've seen them repeatedly on primetime. Matches sometimes went 15 to 20 minutes. And they condense it down here to four minutes, so shouldn't have been an issue. And they pull it off. Great win here on TV for the newly named Young Stallions. As we're off to Mean Gene Oakland now, standing by with yet another newcomer, recently anyway. He's ravishing Rick Rude. And I'm the first one to give credit where credit is due, and certainly Bobby Heenan in my estimation, has amassed some tremendous talent here in the World Wrestling Federation. It's very impressive. The Bobby Heenan, quote, family. When you take a look at the mighty Hercules, how about the tag team, the Islanders, Haku and Tama, Big John Studd, King Kong Bundy. Bundy is on a roll right now. He's got out those new T-shirts. You've seen them. And I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the name of Andre the Giant, the biggest professional athlete of all time, the eighth wonder of the world. But this latest acquisition from Minneapolis, Minnesota for Bobby Heenan certainly is quite something else. Ravishing Rick Rude, join me if you will. Mr. Rude, you've gained a reputation in a couple of areas. And very quickly, your mere presence on this television program apparently now is causing domestic quarrels, squabbles on the home front. You, as a matter of fact, have been labeled as a home wrecker, sir. And rightfully so, cue ball. That's my gig, you see. I send chills up and down the spines of every woman in the United States of America. And you know when they take one look at my ravishing body, huh, they wonder what they're doing with them funky old men. All right, let's talk about some other competition here in the World Wrestling Federation. Some of the superstars that you will be meeting. Week in and week out here. I could mention names. They could go on and on forever. How about Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff? I just throw up a name there for, for grabs. That's right. The man's got one of the best bodies in the world, doesn't he? And he looks great standing out there all by himself. But when he's standing next to me, you can see just how funky Paul Orndorff really is. All right. I thank you very much, Rick Rude. Ravishing Rick Rude. Your pleasure. All right. I, I do thank you. Here's something else. Tremendous physique. There's no question about that. 
one of the stalwarts, one of the premier members of the Bobby Heenan family, ravishing Rick Rude. So Rude admitting, hey, Paul Orndorff looks great. He's in great shape. But standing next to the ravishing one, there's no comparison. And then it's back to the ring for tag team champion Hart Foundation with Jimmy Hart and Danny Davis in their corner taking on the team of S.D. Jones and Sonny Rogers. As Tito Santana again shown this week on Spanish commentary, and we all know what happened the last time they showed Santana on commentary. So, of course, Tito aided Rick Martel and Strike Force was formed. We'll have to wait and see if this is foreshadowing anything here this week. And funny enough, Pedro Morales on commentary as well, but gets no mention, no love from Vince McMahon. And I think that was Miguel Alonso in the middle of the booth there for the Spanish commentary team. As we hear on commentary during this matchup with the Hearts, Bruno San Martino clearly prompted to ask Vince McMahon if Hulk Hogan is dating Dolly Parton because it just comes out of nowhere. Hey, Vince, is uh, Hulk Hogan really dating Dolly Parton? Because apparently Vince would know. So they spend a good chunk of the match debating the rumors of Hogan and Dolly Parton being together. As Jesse Ventura states, You know, Hogan always did take my leftovers. Oh, my. In the ring, it's the heart attack on Sonny Rogers who Vince refers to as Goldie Rogers. Wrong promotion, pal. Hart Foundation going to pick up the win here in three minutes even. And it wasn't too long ago here on The Grenade, we heard from Mean Gene talking with Rick Rude. Now we're going to hear from the other side. Mean Gene standing by with Mr. Wonderful, Paul Orndorff. You know, ladies and gentlemen, I am absolutely convinced that you, Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff, made the right decision, both personally and professionally, a couple of months back, when you 86 Bobby Heenan, you fired the man. It happened in front of an international television audience. Subsequently, you have commissioned or hired Oliver Humperdinck to be your manager. But let's face it, the past couple of years with Bobby Heenan guiding you, they just weren't right for Paul Orndorff. Well, that's true. You know what I mean, Gene? I put all my trust into this man, never really knowing exactly what he was up to at all times, never knowing what, what he wanted to get out of life, what he wanted to get out of, of my career. And I, I take full blame for that. I mean, there's, there's no getting around by that. He tried to use you. Let's, let's face facts. He manipulated me the way he manipulates everybody, the whole Bobby Heenan family, the things that he's done. I mean, the thing he did with Kim Patera, that they, uh, where he just threw him aside like he was nothing. I mean, it all boils around that. It all stems around that, exactly what he thinks as, of a human being. I think they're all pawns in the Bobby Heenan family in the big chess game of life. But... Paul Orndorff, nonetheless, Bobby Heenan is gone, and you've got a new life in the World Wrestling Federation ahead of you, sir. Well, you can always remember this, and you've heard it. What goes around comes around, and that's exactly what took place. You know, I had to do some soul-searching to really find out what I needed to do to better myself as a person. And the things that I was doing, lying for him, lying to the people, and lying to myself, I couldn't take no more of it. I don't mind telling you. I fired him. It's all over and done with. Bobby Heenan is behind me. Now, what I got to do is he's throwing the family at me, every one of them, down to the Bundys and to the Roods. You just name it, and he keeps shooting them at me. The fact of the matter is, is I got to keep myself mentally and physically ahead of everything. I think you're doing a good job of it. I thank you very much, Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff. Orndorff says he could never trust the brain, never knew what Bobby Heenan was all about. Paul takes the blame for it, though. He was manipulated, but he has done some soul searching, and he's seen the light. Orndorff ready to take on the entire Heenan family. And up next in the ring, it's the return of Ho! Hacksaw Jim Duggan back in the World Wrestling Federation. Going to take on Terry Gibbs 
And Duggan left us at the end of May after those drug charges, the DUI, and being caught with the Iron Sheik in the car. But after nearly four months off TV, he's back. Tough guy. And Duggan, with a great response here from the fans, they remember him, no doubt. It wasn't that long ago. And the announcers never mentioned his time away. It's as if he never left. Duggan pummeling Terry Gibbs in this one, slamming him off the top turnbuckle before the three-point stance and the clothesline going to give Hacksaw the win, two minutes and 25 seconds. Hacksaw back in the WWF. Tough guy is up next. We're off to update, and Craig George going to talk the Piledriver music album. We see a brief clip of the Piledriver music video. The fans then tell us their favorite cut on the album. I think many were prompted here, but there's no accounting for taste. Is up next, it's another edition of the British Bulldogs Pet Tips. As the Bulldogs tell us this week, don't smoke. Wait, that's that's not a pet tip. The Bulldogs moving over to PSAs now? As we see a shot of Matilda the Bulldog, she demonstrates what smoking will do to you. As the screen goes all herky-jerky, apparently that's what it does to your brain. It'll mess you up, man. So I guess don't smoke, guys. As we're back to the ring, Bobby Heenan's Islanders taking on the team of Jim Evans and Brady Boone. Tama early on with a lariat, sends Boone doing a backflip bump. As Bob Cottle would say, he cut him for a flip. Tama taking Boone down to the mat. From there, the Islanders then picking apart Jim Evans. Haku with a thrust chop. Tama planting Evans with that jumping back elbow. Haku back in once again, delivering that crescent kick, that thrust kick to the face of Evans. Nearly takes it off. Crumples, as they say on commentary here, like a limp dish rag. As the Islanders then up to the middle rope, landing a heart attack of their own. And then it's stereo diving headbutts on Evans. Going to give the Islanders the win. Three minutes and eight seconds. And then post-match, after the instant replay, Islanders making their way over to the Spanish announce team. And there it is. Haku and Tama having words with Tito Santana who jumps up and removes his suit jacket. Bobby Heenan shown watching on behind the Islanders as Tito knows he's outnumbered here, so he throws the first punch, rocking Tama. Tito going after Tama, but makes a big mistake, turning his back on Haku, and Haku attacking Santana from behind, the Islanders then beating Tito down. Pedro Morales finally up from the announce table to try and help, but he gets dropped as well by a Tama headbutt. And then Tama holding Santana up for a Haku thrust kick. I wrote awesome. Great spot there by the Islanders taking Tito down with Haku's big kick as they stomp down Santana and Haku paintbrushes the face of Tito as officials finally separate the situation. And I wrote, where was Rick Martell? As Vince McMahon made sure to point out that Rick wasn't here this week. And that's kind of unfortunate since Santana was the one that saved Martell. In my opinion, this was an even hotter angle and more creative than the Martell attack. Great stuff. Attacking someone on commentary. The Islanders are just badass right now. As we're off to another promo for the Survivor Series. And this one, just another quick 10 to 15 second promo. No explanation as to what it is. Is it a match? Is it a TV show? A pay-per-view? The suspense builds, guys. I love it, too. Love the announcers not acknowledging the vignette at all, allowing us at home to feel like we're getting the jump on everyone. And the announcers not discussing it or what it is allows the viewers to begin to buzz. 
spreading word, contemplating among friends and family. Excellent marketing job here to work everyone up and build the anticipation and excitement for whatever this Survivor Series is. And we don't know what it is quite yet, but it must be something huge because not since WrestleMania 3 have we seen little promos like this. So no doubt more news in the coming weeks about this Survivor Series. And then it's back to the ring for the Macho Man, Randy Savage, Elizabeth in his corner, taking on Rick Rinslow here this week as Jesse Ventura on commentary continues his narrative on Vince McMahon and Bruno San Martino here, who up until recently couldn't stand the Macho Man. They called him a lowlife. Bruno hated his guts, and now they're on the Macho bandwagon. Well, Jesse's not wrong. As Savage and Liz enter the ring, we get our weekly over-the-breast shot of the lovely Elizabeth here, the cameraman standing on the apron, purposely and purposefully shooting downward into that cleavage of the entering Liz. And Savage playing up the insane ovation here from the crowd. You can't deny it. You can't hide it. Complete babyface response here and reaction for this one from the fans in attendance. And we get an insert promo from Craig DeGeorge, who updates us on the condition of Tito Santana. He says, there's no career-threatening injuries here. Well, that's good at least. Tito Santana going to make a full recovery and then Jesse on commentary says, cut to the Spanish announce table now, McMahon, with Tito and Pedro gone. I wrote, ha, Ventura on a roll this week on Superstars. In the ring, Savage snapping Rinslow's throat across the top rope with a great leverage spot as Macho Man jumping over the top down to the floor, dropping Rinslow across that top rope. And then from there, it's the double axe handle from the top rope to the outside. And then back in the ring, the flying elbow going to get the win. Savage putting his foot on the chest of Rinslow scoring the victory in 1 minute and 58 seconds, and another insane ovation as Savage instantly becomes the number two babyface here in the WWF. And this is not a normal pop, guys. He is over as shit here. I invite you to check it out if you can. And up next here, we're going to close out Superstars Mean Gene Oakland standing by with Mr. Fuji, as well as Axe and Smash, his demolition. When you develop wrestling talent, especially tag team talent of the World Wrestling Federation, you've got to have teamwork, you've got to have discipline. And apparently this man is educating the demolition in discipline. Mr. Fuji, with your background in the martial arts in Japan, you know discipline, right? I am the master of discipline. Matter of fact, if they do not do what I tell, I put big blindfold eye and I drop them off sometime in desert, and they fight their way back. They fight anything that in the way. Rattlesnakes, you name it. They love to make them suffer. Well, I don't know what that does for their wrestling ability, but it certainly makes men out of them. Quite obviously, they are men. They are Axe and Smash, the members of Demolition. Welcome, gentlemen. That's right. Have you ever got hit on the head with a bamboo stick? <laughs> Never. <laughs> well, it don't feel good. And I know Axe don't like it, and I don't like it. But you know something, some nights we'll be sleeping. I love it. About 3 o'clock in the morning, Master Fuji will come in and wrap you on the side of the head to make sure you have your war gear on. If you don't, it hurts. And then you'll go over to Axis and wake him up about 4 in the morning and wrap him on the side of the head. Well, you know why he does it? He wants us mean. And he wants us ornery. And you know, we are. So it doesn't matter what tag team we go against. 
We'll search and we'll destroy them. <laughs> but you're a little hard on the men, Mr. Fuji, in all due respect. What about its uh, axe? You know something, Howard? Harpage. We're having a difficult time finding opponents. Nobody wants to fight us. Fuji, Master Fuji scared them all away. We're not going to be Mr. Nice Guys anymore. We've been nice to everybody. We've called the hospital. We've made sure that the ambulance is right there at the Coliseum to take them first class back to the hospital after the match. Master Fuji's a little upset. We're only giving 150%. He wants 175. We've had 14 teams put in the hospital out of 15. That means we're not given 175%. Well, what about this getting dropped off in the middle of the desert in the middle of the night? I can't think of anything worse. I'll tell you what, I can't think of anything worse. I can't exist any longer sleeping three and four hours and getting woke up, hitting over the head with a bamboo stick. Oh, yes. No, please, not me, Mr. Fuji. I thank you. Axe and smash the members of Demolition, along with their manager, Mr. Fuji. I think I got hit once with a with a fishing cane pole, you know, one of the... Very good. Thank you, gentlemen. They are Demolition, along with their manager, Mr. Fuji. They are one of the real strong forces today in the World Wrestling Federation. Sayonara, pal. Fuji talking about dropping the Demolition off in the middle of the desert in the middle of the night and making them find their way back, back to where I have no idea... The demos talk about being woke up with a kendo stick in the middle of the night. The beatings given to them by Mr. Fuji. Axe says demolition having a hard time finding opponents at this point. So it's no more Mr. Nice Guys. No more Mr. Nice Guys? Yikes. If the demos were being nice before, I don't even want to think about what they're going to do moving forward. As we roll on Wrestling Challenge September the 27th, taped on September 16th, Rockford, Illinois at the Metro Center. Gorilla Monsoon, Bobby Heenan on commentary, and right away we're off to tag action and, oh shit, it's new music, new theme music for the tag team of Demolition, now complete with lyrics. Here comes the axe, here comes the smasher, it's Demolition heading to the ring with Mr. Fuji in their corner, taking on the team of SD Jones and Outback Jack. Well, that should finalize it. It started with the Killer Con attack in July, and it ends here. Outback Jack 100% in the Job Guide category now, already in the ring, getting the Enhancement introduction. As the action gets going, Smash has issues grabbing hold of SD early on and misses a corner charge as Jones tags out to Outback Jack. Jack in the ring, giving it his best, but eats a big clothesline as Demolition then work him over extensively. Jones even having to run in and break up a cover at one point here, as Smash, though, finally telegraphing a backdrop and Outback catching him with a boot to the face. Jack finally able to make the tag back to Special Delivery, who lands a few headbutts and a series of punches on Smash, but then Jones literally running in to the demolition decapitation. Jones running off the ropes right into a Smash backbreaker, Axe coming off the middle rope with the elbow, demolition picking up the win, 4 minutes and 3 seconds. Challenge goes on, we see a replay a few weeks back of Brutus Beefcake graduating that Sal Fodera hairstyling school. Remember, the barber now an official hairstylist, guys. As we see yet again another Survivor Series promo, it's coming! And we now learn it's coming this Thanksgiving. So, wow, guys, we're only two months away from whatever this Survivor Series thing is. As the action rolls on this week on Challenge, Mr. Wonderful. Paul Orndorff, Oliver Humperdinck in his corner, 
taking on Brian Costello is Bobby Heenan on commentary, burying Orndorff and Humperdinck, but I wrote anything is better than Kim Patera, plus Paul Orndorff rules. As we see Mr. Wonderful land a nice knee lift here and a big clothesline going to set up the pile driver on Brian Costello, giving Orndorff the win three minutes and 21 seconds. As up next, we're off to a, another audio clip queued up this week. Mean Gene Oakland standing by with Strike Force, Tito Santana and Rick Martell. All right, I'm excited to talk to these two young men. A couple of old friends, actually, have come up with a new alliance. It's called Strike Force. Come on in, Rick Martell from Canada, from Mexico, Tito Santana, gentlemen. Red hot right now, the World Wrestling Federation, and we have a very volatile tag team situation. Hearts right now, atop of the heap, Tito, they are the tag team champions. But I think Rick and yourself are looking forward to finishing some business with the Islanders, Haku and Tama. That's exactly right, Minjin. You know, it's no secret to, to anybody. It's no secret that the reason the strike force even got together is because of those no, no good Islanders. But thank you, Islanders. You have brought us together, and we have made the best tag team combination there is. Yes, the Islanders are the ones that we're going to take care of first, and then on to bigger and better things. Right, Rick? Yes, All right, sir. Rick Martell, your thoughts? You know, I couldn't even be happier, you know, because, you know, Tito being my partner is the best thing that ever happened to me. I always admired Tito, you know, because he always gave, uh, you know, 110% of himself, always went the extra mile, you know, and having him as a partner, you know, it feels great for me. And, you know, the Islanders, you know, right now, they, they're thinking about the tag team title match, you know, they, they want to bring those belts to Heenan, you know, but they're making a bad mistake because right now they got a strike force hot on their trail, and believe me, we're not going to stop until it's over for the Islanders. All right, over for the Islanders. You've got to get through them, though, gentlemen, before you could ever possibly think about getting a shot at the Hart Foundation. And obviously, that's your ultimate goal. That's right, Minjin. You know, it's not going to be easy because they are good. They are bad. They're exceptionally bad when it's two against one. But we're going to find out when it's two against two, my man, that things are a little different and you're not as bad then, Minjin. All right, I thank you very much. Ready, I'll tell you me. what. I like this team a lot. I like this we're alliance. Ready. Rick Martell, Tito Santana... They are Strike Force, one of the top tag teams right now here at the World Wrestling Federation. So Martel once again referring to Santana as a blessing in his fight against the Islanders. And soon, the entire tag team division. And then from there, we get a replay of the recent update. Craig DeGeorge covering the Piledriver album. You gotta hear Robbie Dupree. Girls in cars, guys. I promise. And then it's back to the ring for the one-man gang with Slick in his corner. Gonna take on Van Van Horn. What a name, Van Horn rocking a mullet as Gorilla asks if that's a new type of haircut. Is the mullet the in thing now? Well, it's 1987, so yes, it is, Gorilla. During the gang's match, we get an insert promo here from Bam Bam Bigelow, who admits the gang is big, but he ain't that bad. Which kind of contradicts the storyline as coming off probation is the one-man gang attacking Van Van Horn here before the bell the gang going to pound him down and deliver the gourd buster to pick up the win one minute and 51 seconds. But one man gang not done yet. Post-match, the gang delivering not one, not two, but three big splashes onto Van Horn, causing him to be taken out on a stretcher. So with Kamala gone and Bundy dropping an elbow half the time now, the gang getting to slowly phase that 747 splash into his repertoire here. And it's pretty ballsy, although not very smart of the gang here, sending a man out on a stretcher just after coming off a of probation for similar shenanigans. 
But nothing seems to happen this time, so you wonder why people don't take Jack Tunney seriously? Here's why. But good buildup for the monster gang as he continues to work Hulk Hogan for that WWF title on a house show near you. As we move on with the show, Mean Gene Oakland standing by with B. Brian Blair and jumping Jim Brunzel, the Killer Bees. Obviously, the ultimate for any tag team here on the World Wrestling Federation is to become the World Tag Team Champions. These two young gentlemen have been trying for that for the past couple of years. They are B. Brian Blair and jumping Jim Brunzel. Come on in, Killer Bees. We've got to talk about a couple of teams that stand between you and the Hart Foundation. Number one, Demolition. Certainly Dino Brown and Greg the Hammer Valentine, Brian. Exactly, Mean Gene. You know, it's like a giant ladder. You got Valentine and Bravo. You got the Demolition. You got all kinds of teams after one thing, and that's to be the world tag team champions. Two years ago, Brunzi and I got together and we said we wanted to be the world tag team champions. And so far, we, people have stood behind us still. We get fan mail. We get all kinds of calls, letters, cards, everything, saying, Bees, we're behind you. We've seen you beat the hearts two out of th- two, twice on national TV. Two out of the three times we've been on television, we've pinned the hearts. And now we're going to climb that ladder just like everybody else, me and Gene. We're waiting for our turn, and we plan on being the world tag team champions. You know, yeah. Jimmy, uh, promoters and matchmakers are not ignoring the killer bees anymore. Well, I hope not. Uh, you know, we had to prove ourselves. And, you know, you talk about talent in the World Wrestling Federation, and you're talking about tag teams. Uh, Everybody's got talent, otherwise they wouldn't be here. And, you know, luck comes into play, uh, skill, everything. And so far, Brian and I are right up there at the top of the ladder. And hopefully uh, through 87, uh, we'll get another uh, chance at the hearts. And who knows, we might even uh, throw in a little mass confusion. You know, they've made uh, two mistakes that Big Nightheart has. And hopefully uh, one more and the bees will be champs. All right, gentlemen, you certainly deserve a shot at the hearts. But as I mentioned before, there are so many tag teams right now. It's It's a red hot situation, a good situation in the World Wrestling Federation. Gentlemen, I thank you. Be Brian Blair, jumping Jim Bronzel, Killer Bees. Good to stay tuned. We're right back. More tag title talk this week from the Killer Bees, which is all it will be at this point. Just talk. And I guess it's back to Hazel's Honey Hut for another pint of that Orange Blossom special. Hey, Brian. As we're back off to the ring for tag team action involving, listen to this one, It's like a flashback to 10 years prior, back to the late 70s. Both of these guys at the top of their game at that time. Of course, one then a heel, one a face. But here in 1987, it's the babyface duo of the superstar. Billy Graham going to team up with the returning Polish power, Ivan Putski. Putski and Graham teaming up here this week to take on the team of Joe Murdo and Rocky Stone. So what did they do? Change Tom Stone's name after he injured Ken Patera? I don't really know here. But the job guys try a sneak attack, but wind up in stereo bear hugs from the baby faces before the bell even rings. And then finally, once the match begins, the two Hall of Famers double submission victory here in just 16 seconds and probably for the best. So no real action here as the the, uh, duo of Graham and Putski locking in the bear hugs before the match even starts. They never have to do anything else. The match begins, and they get the submission win with said bear hugs. If you don't remember Putski's big comeback here in 1987, don't worry about it, guys. It doesn't last very long. Ivan looked great for his age, 46 years old here, but he couldn't do much in the ring by this point but still more than superstar Billy Graham, who continues to hobble on that artificial hip. And I feel bad every time I see him in the ring. 
But still some fun nostalgia as Putski and Graham teaming up to pick up a win here on Challenge. As we roll on, Craig did George standing by up on the platform, up on the stage, a special interview with the returning Hacksaw Jim Duggan. As yes, Hacksaw made his triumphant return here this week. Or if you listen to commentary, he never left. The fans cheering on Duggan as he talks about the bullying going on here in the WWF and says he won't stand for folks pushing people around. Duggan also reconfirming that he is still very much a true patriot. He's proud to be an American. Tough guy. Ho! Duggan then explaining the reason for carrying around that 2x4, which he calls his equalizer. Quick and to-the-point promo, getting Duggan's face back on TV. And by the sound of the crowd, Duggan still very over, though I don't know that he's as over as he was before he left. As we head back to the ring, singles action with ravishing Rick Rude, Bobby Heenan in his corner, taking on C.V. Afi. Is Johnny V going to join commentary here, wearing now a blonde wig, claiming it's his real hair? It finally grew back. Sure it did, Johnny. As we get an insert promo from Rick Rude, who says the women love him. And then in the ring, Rick Rude on the mic, asking all of the uglies in the crowd to keep the noise down so the good lookers can bask in his beauty. And as the match gets going, Rude adding a snap suplex to his arsenal here in recent matches. Still love that short-lived slingshot suplex finisher here from the Ravishing One, but no use living in the past, even though that's what this entire podcast is. Lots of posing and flexing by Rude in between the maneuvers, trying to build up that heel heat. But the Ravishing One finally missing a dropkick, and Sibiafi going to make the comeback, tries a running body block, but Rick Rude catching him, and turning it into a backbreaker before a kneeling pile driver from Rick Rude here. Actually, it looked like Rick seemed like he was going to pick Afi up for that over-the-shoulder body breaker, but Afi wasn't going, kind of holding on to Rick's leg, and Rick just fell forward to his knees, dropping him in a kneeling pile driver. Very dangerous-looking spot, by the way, and it's going to give Rude the win in four minutes and six seconds. And like I said, it looked like he wanted that over-the-shoulder body breaker, but Afi wasn't going up, and... Rude, he simply ad-libbed. Up next, just another quick promo, informing us that on Thanksgiving night, you will witness the Survivor Series. Then back to the ring for our final matchup this week, women's champion, the sensational Sherry, taking on Dublin's own Velvet McIntyre. As Mel Phillips announces this is a non-title match, Sherry gonna attack Velvet, but McIntyre blocking a monkey flip attempt out of the corner, and Sherry flies off onto the back of her head as McIntyre takes control here. And then eventually it's back and forth until the original last kicker, Velvet McIntyre, with a handstand into a head scissors takeover. And then a barefooted drop kick here before locking in the giant swing by McIntyre, going to get her a near fall on the champion. But Sherry manages to get her foot on the ropes to stop the three. From there, McIntyre rolling Sherry up with the reverse rolling cradle but Sherry grabbing hold of McIntyre's tights, reversing the hold, and holding on to those tights to steal the win. So Sherry reversing the roll-up and then hooking Velvet's tights to pick up the victory here in just three and a half minutes. But here comes the fun stuff, guys. Post-match, an unhappy challenger, Velvet McIntyre attacking Sherry and lights her up. Big dropkick by McIntyre here, and then Velvet gonna backdrop Sherry all the way over the top rope and out to the floor. Great bump there by the champion, but the decision, it still stands. Sherry going to get the win, and it's unfortunate because I thought with non-title rules here, 
This could have made a great opportunity to put Velvet over on TV to give the house show title matches more meaning, but I get wanting to protect Sherry on TV at this point since her matches are few and far between. As we close out this edition of Challenge, one more promo here this week. Mean Gene standing by with the tag team champion, Heart Foundation. Right now, I want to talk tag teams. There are such an abundance of great, great tag teams in the World Wrestling Federation. We've just got to take some time out to talk about them. Strike Force, the Rougeau Brothers, the new dream team of Greg the Hammer Valentine and Dino Bravo. I can go on and on. The British Bulldogs. Gentlemen, these are all the teams that you, as the tag team champions of the world, have to deal with. You have to worry about title offenses. And the pressure has got to be unbearable, Jim Neidhart. Hey, listen, the pressure doesn't bother the Hart Foundation. All these teams, all of these teams that you mentioned, they want this. And you know something, Hitman? All of these other tag teams, they're nothing but a bunch of parasites. They're like the little fish that hang around the bottom lip of a great white shark and eat the meat between its teeth. Well, if you think people like the killer bees in demolition are parasitical, I think you might have another thing coming. Bret Hart, your thoughts. This pressure, I said, has really got to be mounting. You've got to feel it. There's a tremendous amount of pressure. Uh, the girls of the Hart Foundation, sometimes they show a little concern for their boys, their hometown heroes, the Hart Foundation. But the Hart Foundation, we always rise to the occasion, and uh, we've never been scared of anything, you know, because we have so much to offer. We've got strength. We've got skill, we've got looks, we've got everything, and we've got money. And uh, as far as these other teams go, I mean, let's let's talk about these other teams, the demolitions. I mean, we're talking like, are they dinosaurs? Or they, to me, they're, they're going to go extinct. We've got the killer bees, nothing but a couple of helpless cheaters. We've got the Rougeau brothers, the nerds. We've got the British Bulldogs, ex-champions. They're none of them, none of them could ever dream of beating the Heart Foundation. You know what else you guys have got? What? You've got Jimmy DeMoth of the South Park. You've got Danny Davis. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thank goodness for Jimmy Hart. You know, man, I love that guy. I love that guy. He's a tremendous person. Hey, wait a minute. He He hasn't been doing his job lately. I understand he's not been too thorough with the paperwork. Honky Tonk Man told me that. What are you talking about? I'm not trying to call What are you trying to say? Just what are you trying to say? I don't know how good a manager Jimmy He's got Hart two is. champions. What do you want? What do you want? <laughs> He's got the best there is. I love, I love that Jimmy Hart. He's what a heck of a guy. Yeah. What a guy that is. I've been, really. at, I've been at the Hart Foundation headquarters, by yeah, the way. Yeah, I know. We in, know. In New York, I've never seen a setup quite like that. Did you see the girls? Huh? Yeah, there's no Did IBM. Did you see all the girls? Yes, they're all over the place. I saw them. <laughs> you think we got it rough? You think you want to lose these things? Hey, it isn't easy up there at the Hart Foundation, you know. And all of you like peaches and cream, but it isn't easy. It's horrible. All right, you can't argue with success. They are number one right now. They are the tag team champions of the world at the Hitman Heart, Jim the Anvil Neidhart. They are the Heart Foundation. And some more classic Jim Neidhart stuff here this week as the tag team champions continue to state why they're better than all the rest. As we roll on to one more piece of business, we're actually finished up with the month of September. Going to cheat a little bit and kick things off October here this week with October the 1st edition of Primetime Wrestling. Remember, Thursday night now, guys. Bobby Heenan, Gorilla Monsoon hosting here. As we pick things up here on commentary, we're coming out of the Savage Honky Tonk Man stage promo, heading into the footage of the Islanders attacking Tito Santana at the Spanish announce table. We're going to hear from Bobby Heenan and Gorilla Monsoon. Boy, what a poor excuse. He's not dressed for the match. 
Well, what do you mean? It's a did, did Savage look like he was dressed for a match? No. Savage looked like he was dressed for Halloween. But at least he had the guts to go up and face him face to face. Something that you and your men do not do, Brain. Oh, I know what you're referring to now. Would you like to reiterate <clears throat> about it? The tail kicking of Wabamba? Is that what you like to refer to? See, what Tito Santana does is he's also a commentator for the Spanish satellite network and all that stuff. That's right. The he's Spanish saying some satellite. very disparaging remarks about the Islanders. No, he's been calling it as he sees it. They just had enough. You don't make the Islanders mad. Now, if you want to show the pe people what's going on, if you want to show them what happened, be my guest. I definitely do, and I think that people should be the judge as to whether this back-jumping, pearl-harboring type individual, Bobby the Brain Heenan, I did has nothing. the right to let turn his men loose and do this kind of a thing to someone who's in a broadcast position. The word was Roll it, please. La, 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 that was disgusting. No. Dis in fact, no. that is under heavy scrutiny right now before the president <clears throat> of the World Wrestling Federation. Oh, now. he's been on the phone with me. He's calling me up to Toronto for a meeting. Good. I know what's going to happen. Good. Nothing. Listen, when you Santana guys threw the first punch. That doesn't matter, Brian. It's mean. two against one out there. doesn't matter. When you guys finish a match, you go to the locker room. You don't go to the Spanish broadcast position. As long as Santana's going to sit there and shoot his mouth off and say things about myself and the Islanders, you're going to have to pay for it, Wabamba. And How you did. How could you possibly know what Santana said or did not say on the broadcast? Number one, you don't understand or speak Spanish. Number two, you were out in the ring. Frenchie Martin told me. Frenchie Martin? He speaks Spanish fluently. He told me that. Told you that when? You're a liar, Brain. Uh, calling me a liar? Absolutely. You got it. You're a liar. No question. Never about lied it. about a thing in my life. You're a liar. That's the we'll truth. We'll be back in just a moment. So there it is, Bobby talking the quote-unquote tail-kicking of La Bamba. He says Tito threw the first punch, which is true. Pedro Morales out there as well, don't forget. And then Bobby he in a little la-la-la-la-la Bamba. Don't think it goes like that, Brain. But Gorilla asking, how do you know what Tito is saying? On commentary, Bobby, of course, stating that the Islanders attacked Santana because of what Santana was saying on commentary during their prior matchup. Bobby claiming here on primetime that it was Frenchie Martin, who legit speaks fluent Spanish, it was Frenchie who told Bobby what Tito Santana had said, and thus the Islanders out to confront Tito. That's all it was. As primetime goes on, we come out of a matchup featuring the new Dream Team scoring a win over the newly named Young Stallions. Well, the young stallions, Roman Powers, got a real education at the hands of the dream team, the new dream team. What time did it come by? What time did what come by? The bus Powers was waiting for. So all he did was just stand the apron, threw his partner to the wolves. They're not going to make it. They're punks, the young stallions. I'll tell you what, the, the new dream team, they haven't shown me very much either. In fact, uh, since the Rosemont Horizon in Chicago, since they lost their title, I, th I think that they've gone really downhill. And I think Luscious John is partly to blame, or mostly to blame. Well, that's your opinion. You see that stupid-looking turban he had on? That's Trying to hide that shiny, bald head of his that was handed to him compliments of Brudai Beefcake, the barber. He's going to come in and give you a little trim one day on Prime. You don't have to bother. Prime time, he said. Better not. I'll take those clippers out and... Well, <laughs> the young stallion. I can't believe it. I asked him how many wins they had last week. You know what they told me? Oh, come on, that's not true. We're going to be back in just a moment with Sensational Sherry. Bobby Heenan asking Gorilla, what time did the bus come by? What bus? The bus Powers was waiting for as he just stood there on the apron allowing partner Paul Roma to be pinned. Bobby Heenan stating that these punks are never going to make it. 
And then Monsoon talking about the dream team as if it was always the same team. He says they haven't been the same since losing the belts at WrestleMania two. Well, you're half right, Gorilla. They haven't been the same since WrestleMania three when Valentine changed partners. Not the same dream team, Gorilla. As the sound bites continue on here up next, talks of Sherry Martell as the new ladies champion. They discuss Sherry here as she takes on Velvet McIntyre. History was made recently in the Sam Houston Coliseum in Houston, Texas, when sensational Sherry stripped the fabulous Moolah oh, no. of the ladies' title. Oh, <sighs> What did you think of I don't know. Talking? Just a frightening thought passed my mind here. What kind of frightening thought? Something a child shouldn't see. Oh, please. Or Your adult. devious mind is everywhere, brain, but everywhere but where it's supposed to be. We're going to take you right now to a special matchup. Title on the line, title in jeopardy, as Velvet McIntyre tries to get by Sensational Sherry. Let's go to ringside. That was scary. The following is a non... Champion uh, using a little gray matter there to get by Velvet McIntyre, but she uh, presents herself quite well as the uh, ladies' champion, and she has a diversified number of things she does. Did you read the article at all? There's a... I was just thumbing through it. I know you were, but she's a churchgoer. She's into hymns and gospel music and things of that nature. And all around the individual. Is there anything in this particular issue about the king? Ah. He's king. up next here on Primetime Wrestling. There's a little piece right here. Probably a very, very little piece. Oh, no. He, he's losing whatever little respect he had to begin with. He had a little bit, but since coming under your tutelage, he lost quite a bit of that. He's going to have his hands full this week here on Prime. Oh, no, don't wrap me up yet. We're not wrapping up yet as he meets Hillbilly Jim right here next on Prime. You find it? The king. Oh, there he is. And that stolen robe. Didn't steal and, any robe. Yeah, from the Beacon Theater props department. I was. I have friends that work there that told me what's going on here in the World Wrestling Federation. And, yep, uh, it's the king. It's probably where you got that jacket, too. Huh? No, I didn't. Oh, awarded Patsy, Patsy, and Victor. And Victor. We'll be back in just a moment with Hillbilly Jim and the King. And a really fun bit here begins that audio clip as uh, Gorilla Monsoon states that history was made when Sherry stripped Moolah, Bobby Heenan, oh no, of the ladies' title. Oh, Whew. what were you thinking about, Brain? Frightening thoughts passing through the mind of Bobby Heenan, certainly something a child shouldn't see anyway. Sherry stripped Moolah? Well, I don't think I need to explain. Sherry also apparently in the new WWF magazine. She's into a lot of things, gospel music, hymns. She's a, apparently a churchgoer, deep south and all. So an all-around individual. And remember, Sherry was a babyface when she debuted and beat Mula for the title, but a heel now immediately thereafter. But it sounds like this magazine piece, without looking at it, made Sherry out to be the babyface. As Gorilla also, you heard him there, selling this matchup between Velvet and Sherry as a title match but we can clearly hear Mel Phillips say non-title in this clip. And then a little more fun there at the end there, Gorilla at the expense of the King Harley Race. And speaking of the King, up next here on Primetime, Harley Race taking on Hillbilly Jim. Is Bobby Heenan questions what Hillbilly would do with the winner's purse of the money. We're back, folks. We're and about see... Go ahead. We have to see floor. the King now. King Harley Race and Hillbilly Jim. Big dumb hick from Mudlick. Would he ever see a Taylor? Like, let's say he won a battle royal. Let's let's talk really stupid here. Let's say he won a battle royal and walked away with fifty to hundred thousand dollars. What would you do with fifty grand in Mudlick? What would you do with fifty bucks in Mudlick? There ain't fifty people in Mudlick. 
Are you, are you done? Yeah, let's I'm go, done. Let's go to ringside. Well, as we said so many times in the past, there is no substitution for experience. None whatsoever. But you so just, he's back now on the back porch with Jan, Granny and her into a tin pail, having a nice... On the back porch. Back porch, front porch, same porch. Small town, you know, Mudlick. Yeah, I understand City that. limit signs are on the same post. What do you mean the city limit signs are on the same post? That's how big the town is. It's nicer in the spring, though. I know a lot of people come there and they get out there early when a nice rain's coming. They sit around and watch a tractor rust. Can you sing? No. Can you dance? Yeah, I guess a little. You can dance a little. Do mm -hmm. you have any kind of theatrical ability? Can you act? No. Well, that's why they chose you. You're the perfect individual to be co-host for here. You have no mm -hmm. talent whatsoever. That's why you're not on the Piledriver album. That's why I, you're not on the video. That's why I, nobody in your stable has a championship belt. That's why you're a loser. That's why you're I, on your way out. We're going to be back in a moment with our feature, The Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase, as he meets Jacques Rougeau. Teddy? Could be a beauty. So Bobby Heenan asking, what would Jim do with real money? What if he won 50 grand in a battle royal? Hell, what if he won 50 bucks? What, what would you do in Mudlick, Kentucky? Sitting with Granny out there on the porch, into the tin pail. Bobby's stating that the city limit signs for Mudlick on the same post. And in the spring, people come by just to watch the tractor rust in the rain. So Heenan having a lot of fun at the expense of Hillbilly Jim. Meanwhile, Gorilla referring to Bobby here as a loser brain. As primetime continues on, we get a primetime exclusive this week from September 16th, Rockford, Illinois. It's the million-dollar man, Ted DiBiase, Virgil in his corner, pinning Jacques Rougeau of the Rougeau brothers. Eight and a half minutes here. DiBiase with a roll-up after Jacques distracted by Virgil up on the ring apron. And then after the bout, DiBiase offering to pay a kid in the audience $300 once again to do some push-ups, only to deny him the money. Moments thereafter, Jim Duggan out to make the save, attacking Ted DiBiase and giving the kid the money after all. Now, you guys may be excited. You may be wanting to run to primetime to catch that post-match activity. Unfortunately, none of that makes air. That was just for the house show crowd. However, we do see in its entirety Ted DiBiase pinning one Jacques Rougeau. And coming back, we hear once more our final soundbite this week on primetime from Gorilla and Bobby Heenan. Feature time here this week on Primetime Wrestling, as it's about time, Brain, that we had some decent competition for Ted DiBiase, the Million Dollar Man, and I'm sure that Jacques Ruggio can, in fact, deliver the kind of competition that I want to see. Wouldn't it be horrible to be a Ruggio brother? Why, why would it be horrible? Every day of your life, you know there's another one out there just like oh, you. Oh, please, give me a break, mm. Brain. Why do you always have something derogatory You're to right. say about Jacques isn't bad. Raymond's worse. Oh, let's go to ringside. Let's go to our ring announcer. Well, that certainly was something. That's the first time I've ever seen Virgil get involved in one of the Million Dollar Man's matches. What did it look like he did at the end? Jump up and offer him some cash? They looked that way to you? He had something in his hand. He's always got cash on him. But what did he say to Virgil? from my vantage point what he had in his hand, but just jumping up on the apron. Now, Virgil is, you know, I'm not saying the guy's a wrestler. The guy's a bodyguard. The guy's a dangerous individual. Oh. You know, Jacques could not ignore that. But see, he tempted him. He jumped up there and he had that cash, and I think he said, uh, you want to buy a hockey puck? I and I think he turned around and was, you know, sure, he's from Canada, sure, I'll buy a, I'll buy a half dozen hockey pucks. You know. Why don't you ever try to be realistic and tell it like it is out here? You never do, Brain. 
Well, one day you'll surprise me. I don't know when that day is going to be, but uh, maybe one day you will. I'm a host. I can see that the Million Dollar Man is going to be a, a lot of trouble here in the World Wrestling Did you Federation. Notice I'm on the cover. I noticed you. Everybody knows you're on the cover. I was on that cover. Yeah, you wish sold. you were on that cover. And there you hear it, Bobby stating, "It must be horrible to be a Rougeau brother. Every day you wake up and realize there's another one out there." Boom, boom. More than one, actually, Bobby. As Gorilla pointing out, Virgil getting involved in the finish, stating that this is the first time they've seen DiBiase require the help of the bodyguard Virgil, so there may be something more to this. As Bobby says, Virgil simply got up on the apron to offer Jacques Rougeau a little money. Hey, you want to buy a hockey puck? Because he's Canadian. Get it, guys? And don't forget, get your Piledriver album today. Also during this edition of Primetime, Bobby Heenan making reference to the makers of his jackets, Victor and Patsy, as well as another name drop of former wrestler and manager, beautiful Bruce Swayze from the 1970s. And I'm not sure the friendship with Swayze and Bobby Heenan and Gorilla Monsoon, but they work his name in quite a bit here during this era on Primetime Wrestling. So if you know what the storyline, the background of that with Swayze and these two, please let me know. And that's going to wrap it up here this week for the Grenade Guys. In and out. What a fun addition this week as we close out the month of September. We even begin primetime for October 1st. But next week we will return with the first week of October TV. That's going to cover Superstars Wrestling Challenge as well as another edition of primetime. But next week's big feature, we're going to take an in-depth look at the October 3rd edition of Saturday Night's Main Event as Tag Team Champion Heart Foundation defend Against the Young Stallions, remember the Stallions defeated the Hart Foundation in a recent episode of TV by reverse decision. Now they're going to get themselves a title shot on NBC. Also, Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff looking to exact revenge on the Heenan family as he takes on King Kong Bundy. But it doesn't end there. WWF champion Hulk Hogan scheduled to defend his title against Sika, the Wild Samoan. And of course, Macho Man Randy Savage challenges the self-professed greatest intercontinental champion of all time, Savage coming for the IC title of the Honky Tonk Man. But it's not so much the match that makes this edition of Saturday Night's Main Event. No, no. Can't wait for the post-match activities there. Involving the Honky Tonk Man physically assaulting Miss Elizabeth, subsequently leading to the formation of the Mega Powers. Yes, the Mega Powers will be formed right here next week on The Grenade, so you're not going to want to miss it. But until then, guys, just a quick reminder, listen to all of the great podcasts here on the WrestleCopia Podcast Network over at WrestleCopia.com. Follow me on social media on Twitter at Wrestling Grenade. That's at R-A-S-S-L-I-N Grenade. Also, Facebook.com slash Wrestling Grenade. And subscribe to my YouTube channel, YouTube.com slash Wrestling Grenade. And last but certainly not least, I can always use your help giving away so many gifts for just $5 as part of that all-access tier over at patreon.com slash WrestleCopia. That address again, patreon.com slash WrestleCopia. That $5 all-access tier gets you so many things, including early access to the podcast, insanely detailed show notes for three of the shows here on the WrestleCopia brand, plus digital downloads, the Patreon-exclusive watch-alongs, and so much more. Give it a try, guys, and I think you'll like the content I offer. And every penny of it pays the bills here to keep the Wrestling Memory Grenade and all of the other podcasts up and running. So with all of that out of the way, we're going to be back 
Fun times ahead. I can't wait to talk again next week as we enter October of 1987 in the World Wrestling Federation, heading into the home stretch, if you will, and the 12th installment of Saturday night's main event. But until then, I want to thank you guys for your continued and loyal support, as this is Ray Russell saying, from pillar to post and coast to coast, you pull the pin and I'll pick up the pieces right here on the Wrestling Memory Grenade. I'll see you next week. Don't miss it. Be there! And you haven't heard the last from Tito Santana and Rick Martel. <laughs> I haven't heard long. anything from I can't understand the guy. He can't even laugh in English. Amigo. Oh, I know what you're referring to now. The tail kicking of Wabamba? La, 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 that was Bamba. disgusting. No. As long as Santana's going to sit there and shoot his mouth off and say things about myself and the Islanders, you're going to have to pay for it, Wabamba. And How you did. You-